I'm gonna get into. It. I'm gonna give you before I get into the message this morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you what I'm doing here. I actually, I I'm, I stole something. Uh, I stole something from uh, my daughter Angelie, um, who recently uh, released a uh, project and uh, uh, entitled Bloom. And uh, matter of fact, I recorded the video, the vocals on the title track Zoom for her and. Uh, I, uh, so the title of this morning's message, guess what, is Bloom, okay? Oh. And, <laughs> and our text this morning is Jeremiah 29, 4 through 14, okay? And let me give you a little, little, uh, a little background. You know, how many of you can, can readily uh, assent to the fact that sometimes things are not as we want them to be? Can you just say amen to that? Mm -hmm. Amen. <clears throat> and despite our best efforts, our circumstances are, are not always, as we would say, user-friendly. And in our text this morning, Jeremiah is, is, he himself finds himself trapped in the city of Jerusalem, which is occupied by the Babylonians. And there's a problem going on in this passage. And the problem is that there are false prophets. Uh, and they're telling the people this. The false prophets are saying, don't give up. There's still hope. God will surely send the miracle of deliverance as he has in the past. Uh, but in this context, Jeremiah's message is the opposite of that. Jeremiah is in effect saying to them, there's no last minute miracle on the way. The judgment of God is falling. And so in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah writes to these exiles who had already been deported away to Babylon. He's giving them the same message, but in the midst of it, in verse 11, there's this remarkable, incredible statement of comfort and hope. So in looking at this chapter, we can learn something about surrounding, I mean, responding rather to negative surroundings. Uh, so when we are not where we want to be, how, how should we respond? <clears throat> when things are not as we would wish them to be, how, how should we react? <clears throat> when faced with what seems like hopelessness, despair, and the disruption of life as we know it, how do we find the strength to go on? And I'm gonna give you six things, okay? Six, six things we do straight out of this passage before us. We'll take it verse by verse. And the first one is this, make the best of things. Make the best of things. Look at what, what, what is written here in verse four, uh, here by 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. He says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there, do not decrease. Jeremiah's point is this. There is not going to be a last minute miracle or any sudden solution to the problem. Uh, we could certainly contextualize that to our current situation, right? There's not gonna be a, va a, vac a vaccination on the, on the market tomorrow. Uh, the numbers are probably not going to fall precipitately off a cliff into decline next week. There are things that are being said to us that, oh, it's, this is all, you know, everything's gonna turn around right, right now. The last quarter, we're gonna be all back. It's not necessarily true, but in a spiritual sense, sometimes we are, we are promised a last minute solution or a last, Minute miracle, and Jeremiah is saying to God's people here in, in ancient Israel, he's saying, 
It's not going to happen. And all you do now is you make the most of it. Do the best you can. You rejoice in the Lord and you keep on stepping. In other words, bloom. You know the adage, bloom where you're planted. Bloom. Flourish. Come to grips with the reality of where you are. Accept the fact that some things are going to be what they are and there's nothing you can do about it. And bloom. In the case of, of Israel, God says to them that it is he whom, himself who's carried them into exile. He says, he says look, look what he says. He says, all to, the, to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. God is saying to them, it is by my will and, and my purpose that you ended up where you are. And so, I, you know, uh, and I'm not saying that's the case with this present crisis, but God, in essence, takes responsibility for their plight and for their futures. And he says to them, essentially, deal with your lives, not as you wish them to be, but as they are and bloom. Bloom where you're planted. Second thing is this, he says, pray where you are. Pray where you are. Verse seven, he says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Notice he doesn't just say stay where you are. You know, not much of us, most of us don't have much choice in that matter, especially right now. He says, but pray where you are. In other words, continually pray for and ask God to bless your surroundings, your home, your family, your neighborhood, your community, the city you live in, the, the state you live in, the nation we live in. Pray for your community. Seek the betterment of your neighborhood. And that might even include doing things that respect the health and well-being of your, your neighbors and your community. <laughs> Remember the Staples Singer song? Well, the Staples Center, Staples Singer song, Respect Yourself. Keep talking about the president won't stop air pollution. Put your hand on your mouth when you cough. That'll help the solution. You know, sometimes maybe facilitating the benefit and the blessing and the, the well-being of our community mean, means doing the things that are wise and safe and, and respect other people. You know, wear your mask when you're out in public. Don't try to make a point. Keep social distance from people because you don't know if you're carrying something or not. But, but what happens is sometimes we're in denial about our surroundings and we assume that since we're just passing through, we can remain aloof and detached. And maybe for Israel, it's like, we're going to get out of here. We're going to get out of Babylon soon. So we don't really care. We're just trying. All we're thinking about is exit time. But God is saying to them, you're not going home right now. It's like going to be like 70 years. You're going to have a couple of generations to deal with here. So he says to his people, to Jeremiah, pray for the city because if the, city's, if the city prospers, you too will prosper. A lot of Christians in American evangelicalism are getting over the rapture uh, mentality because too many Christians for the last several generations in modern Christendom have been basically focused on, I don't care about the environment. I don't care about the planet. I don't care about my neighborhood. I don't care about the poor. I don't care about my surroundings because, you know, because any day now I'm going to get caught up out of here and, not, and you know, and every, all that's going to be left behind. And I'll be like, look at you suckers. Sorry for you guys. I'm going to be with Jesus. But you don't know when the hour or the day of his coming is going to be. And basically, we're here. And right now, we're in the midst of a world that looks a lot different than it did three, four months ago. And so the challenge is, we are called upon to, 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 to contend for the welfare and the well-being of our surroundings, our community, the broken world, the messed up world that we live in. Live in because as 
as as we facilitate by faith and prayer the, the improvement our, of our surroundings, we are blessed as well. Jeremiah is telling the people to pray for the shalom of the nation to which they've been exiled. And since we've been called to stay where we are, we're charged to pray where we are. And so let's move that metaphorically beyond physical location to so we can really apply it to us today. None of us wants to be living in this post-COVID-19, I don't mean post, I mean this COVID-19 world, and then after this is contained, it'll be the post-COVID-19 world. It's going to be a different world than most of us grew up in that we know anything about. But that's where we are. That's the town we live in. And so as Christ followers, we have a call and a charge to pray for our world, our community, our nation, and to do everything we can to benefit and to to facilitate the well-being of those around us. And some of you are working in various levels and various ways of serving the world, the community. God bless you for that. And again, today on Memorial Day, certainly we give, we're grateful for those who have given their lives for our freedom, but we're also grateful for those who are risking their lives for our safety and our well-being right now. I think in, within our own church community of Chris Calhoun and Mystique Jordan, who are working in the medical profession. I know there are others, I think Pam and Walter's daughter is, is in that role as well, and we give thanks for those. But but based, basically, we pray for those around us in the midst of the situation that we would rather not have to live through. Number three, beware of the wrong voices. Verse 8-9. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. How about that? They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Back in 1971, I remember the song by the group Undisputed, The Undisputed Truth called Smiling Faces. Smiling faces, smiling faces. Sometimes they don't tell the truth. Smiling faces, smiling faces tell lies, and I got proof. And these smiling prophets, uh, see, we call it, Prophesying, not prophesying, right? Or you could spell it P R O F I T rather than P R O P H E T because often the lies are tied to somebody's financial or political fortunes. And today we call it happy talk. That's that's what these prophets are giving these people. They're telling them what they wanted to hear uh, to advance their own renown and their own fortune. And notice in verse eight, he says, "Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have." You get you get you see what's going on here. False prophets tend to tell us what we want to hear rather than the truth that we need to hear. Because the truth is often hard to accept. The truth is often unpalatable to us. Remember Jack Nicholson's character in A Few Good Men? You can't handle the truth. And often we can't handle the truth. But Jeremiah is warning these exiles not to listen to the wrong voices. Someone made this observation. There has never been so much deviant propaganda directed at so many unthinking people through so many mesmerizing media. And we're getting, we're getting the lies coming from all sides. But we need to make sure that we are attuned to the right voice and that we, are be, that we beware of the wrong voices. We need to think critically. We need to think prayerfully. We need to be able to accept truth even when it is not what we want to hear. We need to avoid uh, basically happy talk just because. We need to avoid magical thinking. 
spiritual things, supernatural, the Bible, supernatural uh, miracles, all those things, that's not magical thinking. That is people who believe that God, as we pray, is able to bend the natural order and do things that are above and beyond, that are outside even the realm of science. That's that's faith and prayer. But magical thinking is just because I say something 20 times, right? If I click my heels or something there, you know, make it to Emerald City or whatever. That's not biblical faith. And right now, just saying that everything's going to be okay doesn't make it so. We, I can tell you everything's going to be okay, but it's not because someone else says so. It's not because things, because things are just going to, because things just work out, because things left alone don't work out. I can tell you things are going to be okay because God has our back. And I can't tell you that things are going to be okay for everybody, but I know things are going to be okay for you because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And because God works in all things for your good, because you love the Lord and you're called according to his purpose. But beware of the wrong voices. They're in the church and they're outside of the church. I recall early on in this thing, people were sending me YouTubes on my phone and there's one, this preacher basically was basically blowing you know this whole thing away and basically he had a whole nother theory and he was warning people for free sleep this vaccination don't get it when it comes out because it's, it's gonna they're gonna basically they're sapping your brain and like you know uh, there are people that want to hear that because they want to find the conspiracy and stuff don't 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 play into all, all the conspiracy theories think critically be be skeptical of stuff unless it's clear clearly biblical and unless it makes sense unless it's from a reputable source and someone who was committed to telling the truth and not manipulating you. Amen. Uh, I'll throw that in for free. Uh, number four, take the long view. Look at verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, in, in this verse, there's a, there's, there, there's actually this, right there is a, there's a, that's a, an incredible word of prophecy spoken into that moment. Um, the removal of King Jeho Jehoiakim occurred in 597 BC, and BC goes backwards instead of forward. So the complete collapse and fall of Judah and the destruction of Jerusalem happened 11 years later in 586 BC. Well, on several occasions, Jeremiah had predicted that the nation of Judah would be destroyed and its capital city, Jerusalem, burned and its people deported. And the entire nation would be kind of wiped off the face of the earth, but that within 70 years, Judah would be back and the nation would be reestablished. And, and so that was the long view. It wasn't going to happen tomorrow, but in 70 years, through a time of much, much, much disorientation and dismantling, they would be reassembled. And we live in a day in which everyone wants instant gratification. But the nature of our faith as Christians is we look forward to, we look forward to God's long-term faithfulness. And you find these words in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I'm not going to put them up. I'll read them to you. And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, on one hand, we're living day to day. 
We're trying to cope with providing for our families, paying uh, bills, trying to find a, a modicum of peace and respite in the midst of all the tension and chaos that, that's swirling all around us. And we're in a global pandemic. And in our nation alone right now, we're just at about 98,000 people that we've lost. We'll probably get 100,000 before we know it. And it doesn't look good in the short term. It doesn't even look good in the midterm. But as Christians, uh, we're being taught uh, to, by the scripture to take the long view. And I would encourage you, even when times are good, still it's a biblical perspective to always take that long view. Despite all of the uncertainties about the future that we hold right now, we look beyond the short term, we look beyond the midterm, and we look toward the future that God has for us, which takes us to our next point, number five. Get excited about God's plans. Get excited about God's plans. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I've heard this, this verse cited, celebrated, and sung countless times over the past 30 years through all of the relatively good times that we've experienced. And they resonate really well when things are going generally well, right? Uh, and we can easily push, push these, this verse over into the realm of, of Christian happy talk, right? But get this, these words are not spoken to people that are enjoying good times, you know? These, these, these words are written to people who are displaced, defeated, and depressed. They are exiles. They, uh, they had hung their harps, so to speak, on the willow trees, and they had lost their song. But God says, I got plans. I got plans for you. That's why you can bloom. Not because things are looking good. Not because life is on the upswing. Not because the economy is banging. You can bloom, God says, because I have plans for you. And the word in the original language translated plans carries the idea of God weaving and fabricating and plotting. I, I would maybe suggest strategizing our futures. God has a plan that he will weave through the tapestry of our lives. And that plan for us com is comprised of a few things. Number one, it's comprised of our peace, P-E-A-C-E. -E. God has thoughts or intentions and plans of peace for his people. His plans include our safety, our, our welfare, our happiness. God plans and intends for his people to dwell in safety and happiness. And God cares about our well-being. And, and, and that plan remains in effect through the good times and the bad times because it's God's plan. And it's greater than our plan or the plans of man. That plan, that plan remains in effect during times of crisis and calamity, even though we momentarily lose sight of it. That's God's desire. We're loved by God. And he desires and longs to meet the needs of his people. And often we live lives that lack real peace, even as Christians, but that's not God's fault. He intends that for us. He's planned that for us, and he's seeking to weave peace into the very fabric of our lives. So, so he plans for our, our, our peace, but he also plans for our prosperity. And, and, and disassociate that word from the, the, the Christian use of that word that usually has to do with, you know, uh, money and wealth and, 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 and unchallenged health. 
prosperity in a biblical sense is so much more than that. And I would say it's better than that because prosperity, even in the way it's used in American Christianity, is very contextualized and very, it, it only works in, 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 a, in a good economy. It don't really, really, it only works in an environment where, where, where there's stuff. Right now, a lot there, listen, everybody's hurting. Uh, the folks that have been telling you that if you send their offerings to them, you, 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 you'll, you'll, you'll be rich. Uh, they're struggling right now because that's why some folks are fighting so hard to get back in their churches because they're the, the gravy train is dried. Um, I, I should say that I said it because you know because that 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 pyramid doesn't work. Uh, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say that, but it's true. Uh, but prosperity biblically is much broader than that because prosperity see if, if if a promise of scripture doesn't apply to every human being on the planet uh, uh, on the face of the planet, then it, then, it, then you're misinterpreting. It. If it only applies to us in the context of the so-called dead American dream, then that that's that's not a good biblical interpretation. But it it applies to that poor that poor person that farmer in, in Kenya who may never uh, even own a car, but can find God's grace in him living well in that environment in with that in that low-income environment have what he needs to live and to be happy. It applies to that person in Asia who who may be working on an assembly line somewhere, but they're in Christ and they find joy in what they're doing and enough to, and, and they're, they're, they find the provision of God for their health and their well-being in that context. And it applies to you and me in America. If it, if it doesn't apply to everybody, then then it's not, it, you, then you're, you're misinterpreting the scripture because the scripture was not just written to Americans and to capitalists in the, in the 20 and 21st century pre-COVID-19. Uh, but our prosperity, God desires to give us in the words of the King James Version says, an expected end. What an amazing promise. There's a plan for each one of our lives. And a lot of folks believe that life just happens. Many folks, uh, many feel that those who are successful and blessed have gotten a lucky break. You know, just chips fell for them in a certain place. You know, they were just in the right place at the right time. Uh, but there's no such thing as chance or luck for the child of God. We are not wandering aimlessly along, hoping for a lucky break. Our lives don't just happen. They are, are ordained and orchestrated by God. And he has a plan and a purpose for each of us. God has an expected end for us that we realize, that we'll realize if we'll just follow him. I'm amazed at the wisdom and the power of God. I can't see 10 seconds into the future, but God sees it all. He knows exactly what he has in store for you and for me. And I fear that we miss out sometimes on God's blessing over our lives because we're not necessarily where we should be with him. And I'm not just giving you happy talk here, but this is what the Bible clearly teaches. God has an intended plan for our lives. Times are tough, but we can continue to prosper in the Lord we can bloom. Now, if you're in church, I say, turn to your neighbor and tell them, bloom. <laughs> Some of you got a neighbor. I got one, bloom. All right. <laughs> Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. I love this verse. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. My brother, my sister, my friend, you are not here today by mere chance. You are here by the plan of God. You are where you are in life because God has allowed it. And I promise you this, the end that God has planned for you 
is better than anything that you could have planned for yourself or anything that you could work out for yourself. You remember, never forget Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And so with God, things are never hopeless because God says, I know the plans I have for you. Bloom. Number six, seek the Lord above all. Verses 13 and 14. You will seek me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. If we are to bloom, if we're to bloom where we're planted, then whatever our circumstance, whatever our situation, uh, we, we, we make Jesus Lord of, of, of our lives and we must seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he will bring us back and he will restore us and his plans for our lives will be perfected. But it's our responsibility if, if, if anytime, how much more in this season to seek him with all of our hearts. And I'm so grateful for all of you that joined me on here on Sunday mornings because I, it says to me that this is a community of folks that is seeking fellowship and seeking God with all of your hearts. You want to hear from God. You want to touch from God. You want an encounter with God. You want to you want to rub shoulders with God's people and be in that fellowship. You want the presence of the Holy Spirit powerfully in your life. And, and, and that's what he says. He says, if we seek him, we will find him. You will find him and you're finding him. Let me encourage you to do this. Seek the Lord with all of your heart. Feed your spirits. Think about the video I shared. You know, think about what you feed and what you're feeding on. And to feed our spirits and nourish our hearts, Let go deeper in the things of God than ever before. Because to whatever extent we are able to bloom, we we flourish in life. The soil of our blooming, there's a soil that 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 is that's involved here. That soil will be our relationship with God. And the more we feed the soil with the word of God and water that soil through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, the more we will bloom in every aspect of our lives. Paul writes this in Romans 5, 17. It says, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Wow, how about that? Whatever our circumstances, as we make him Lord of our lives and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, we can reign and rule in life through Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean controlling folks, and it doesn't even mean controlling our circumstances. But it means this, that our circumstances cannot control us, and our situation cannot control us. We are standing through the abundant provision of grace that we have and the gift of righteousness, and we reign in life. We are, we are, kings, and, we are kings and queens, sons and daughters of the Most High, amen, over every situation, even when we're suffering, even when we're hurting, even when, when, when things are not going our way, we reign in life. We see as we seek the Lord above all. Listen, 
the smiling faces of the lying prophets. They told God's people, let, let, let's just wrap this up. They, they, they told God's people uh, that, that before long, you, y'all gonna zoom, you're gonna, you're gonna zoom up out of here, right? You're gonna zoom out of captivity. You're gonna get back, get back to, to, to where you once belonged, you know? And lying prophets, they, they said, it's, it's time to zoom. We're gonna get ready to pack up and, and, and go home. And God says, y'all ain't gonna zoom, but, but you can bloom if you make room for me and my plans for your life. Grace family, it's time to bloom. Bloom where you're planted, bloom where you are. Be where you are, live there, live your reality, live your experience, live in your neighborhood, live in your house, live in your life, but know that God has plans for you and those plans are being put into effect. Bloom where you are planted, bloom. And so again, make the best of things, Pray where you are, beware of the wrong voices, take the long view, get excited about God's plans, and seek the Lord above all. Amen. Amen. Bloom. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right.